because his wife was ill and he was only showing signs of illness at that time. So he was only isolating, didn't actually have the illness. But then he decided he he wouldn't be responsible for for the child. He had to drive it to another woman. <laughs> and I thought, like, I was just thinking, come on, feminism, jump on this. <laughs> to weaponize autism around it because you know there's this idea that he that he's uh, i don't know i have not seen uh, anything around whether he's his child ha- is he's been diagnosed or not but that whole the left waffer i love that line from the yeah, from yeah. The, like, the left waffer of coming and attempting to carpet bomb you know over here but actually don't you realize what this amazing father's done for his and then that attempt to kind of weaponize a particular that particular kind of spectrum when you have shown no regard for that spectrum in the past and you will not show any regard for that spectrum in the future and you have no understanding of it that attempt to politicize it is awful particularly given that i've got you know there are a couple of good friends who are having to live with that every day in various ways only no i've only got one friend who's got an autistic child but from knowing them i know that putting them in a car and driving them 260 miles is not a healthy thing for an autistic child. My environments to be the same and familiarities and, and all of that sort of thing. So yeah, that's another bullshit line they'll no doubt try to play on today when he when he comes out. There's something of the that's sort of Shakespearean about it, that kind of Iago, kind of grotesque character. Yeah. That, ha- that wields such power and you wonder where you wonder how does the narrative play? I almost want to get the popcorn out. If it wasn't so damaging because of yeah. the way in which that reconfiguration of I don't believe in the kind of construction of politics that we have, but I know it exists and I know he's trying to reconstruct it around the kind of civil service and around ideas of democracy, around behavioral change and behavioralism and the use of data and performance data and we you know we see that infecting our everyday lives so part of me doesn't want to wait for it to play out because I want to resist it on almost every level but there's some there's another bit, little bit of me that sort of thinks I have no power to change any of that I only have power to change stuff that's happening down my road or with my family or in my city yeah. or in my in my network so I can be out there's a number of people who are kind of outraged about it all and I'm just it was ever thus this is just a this is a different reinvention of it my Labour Party membership card came this week as well and then I was thinking that was good timing right I'm thinking yeah come on out I, I wanted out under Corbyn desperately and now I don't feel part of it enough to stay even though I will as you know it's great new hope why don't you feel part of it I think and again I probably didn't explicitly say it in, in in that blog post I did I just started thinking about precisely what you said 
I've got the power to change things in my locality. What what I care about, you know, I can encourage other people to go and buy at the West End Brewery, or I can encourage everyone to go and buy a cake from a local cake shop or whatever, or I can do something myself <laughs> and know that it will be done. And I think that voting for this is fucking pointless. <laughs> The Green Party keeps turning my head because I think oh, a lot of my values are in some of the ideas that the Green Party has. But the way I see it is that if push comes to shove, they would just side with Labour just to fight Labour's corner because they're such a minority party. So that's a waste of time. And then I spend so much energy listening to this bullshit from Downing Street and then arguing with people to say, look, it's fucking wrong. And the, I think I just put my energy into actually doing positive things rather than standing around pointing at political elites saying, well, that's wrong. What? That's a complete waste of time. The attempt to accrue or accumulate and then maintain power becomes all consuming, I suppose, for some and therefore to try to resist it when there are wholesale conditions inside which it's reproduced and structures inside which it's reproduced. And it's very difficult and it's tiring. That, part, of the, part of the problem is it's exhausting. It's why yeah. kind of that role of activists becomes so so exhausting and so many get burnout, in yeah. part because you're, you're fighting this machine, this structural machine on the one hand. And on the other hand, there is no political or parliamentary party-based vehicle to do anything different because they're all vested in the machine so you might get a flavor of difference but you're not going to actually get any difference and you see that even now with the left i suppose the right has a rallying cry which is the maintenance of capital yeah. and the maintenance of exploitation what, what has the left got there's just factionalism and yeah. there are some factions that are brutally misogynist and hateful and vanguardist that i want nothing to do with and then you get through to the softer stuff for me I'm, I, I have to consider the ways in which I what I what can I do locally that extends human values rather than economic value and what can I do locally that is effectively against hierarchies and, and bosses that is against money what can we do around that and that is against the state because I only ever see that as brutalizing but so part of me for me is always kind of returning to the local and local struggles whether it's at work, trade union work or whatever, or whether it's on the street and what do we do to support people who are vulnerable in that space? Bit of sharing. Yeah. I don't even think like you could say. The logic that I'm entering into, like so work around the government, you kind of think, well, they're carrying on like this at the moment, but I can still keep my family in the house or keep them safe yeah. or do things. Obviously, I don't agree with the schools reopening at all but I have to respect my wife is in a difficult position and has to do what she can and then trust her to make it the safest environment and that kind of stuff what can we do collectively is the thing for me locally we can stay in our houses and literally stay in our houses we haven't got we're not part of some insane and awful gig economy which forces you out yeah we aren't forced into the front line with a, with a lack of PPE to keep other people safe and care for them and we can stay in our houses because we don't perhaps don't have huge debts. So we've kind yeah. of got that's a part of it for me is how do we that kind of security and safety that we've got? How do we find ways of disseminating that more broadly? In yeah. particular, there's going to be some huge economic shocks that come further down the line. However, we get out of where where we currently are. In part, that's why I kind of hate the whole sideshow around the coming thing today. I mean, he was wrong, right? 
to do what he did. But the things that I'm more interested in are how are we learning to live with the virus through this? Or is this just another spectacle that keeps us from engaging with that deep, that deeper and more brutal reality for people? How are we learning to live with this virus, given that the chances of us finding a vaccine, they're not you know, it's like everyone's thinking, oh, we'll have a vaccine in the autumn, right? Well, will we? Yeah. So for me, part of it is that this is just a sideshow that, and clearly we, there are ends that a lot of people want out of it, but it just becomes a spectacle that dis- distracts. And that's what that kind of hierarchy and their control of the media and their, con- their control of publishing houses, their control, it, their control of flows of data and of money and of information that works as part of a kind of a, a kind of class solidarity at, at one level because they all went to Eton and they all went you know you know they all went to Oxford and they all read PPE and they all did whatever. How does this enable us to work against that? It don't really, does it? We all want him sacked. Well, he gets sacked, then what? Yeah. Then what are we fighting for? You know, they force us into these constant tactical engagements. But this is that thing about well, well, what's our what's our position then? And I don't get even get this from like if we were to think about the Labour Party from Starmer, great at Prime Minister's questions maybe about in terms of like you haven't done this, you said that this doesn't happened, you know, and everyone's oh he's forensic in pulling Johnson to pieces. You think brilliant? Where's what's the counter narrative? What we're we fighting for? Don't see what it is. I agree. I agree. I'm not, well, I'm not sure what Labour stands for anymore, to be honest, because I'm in the local groups on Facebook to see everyone attacking each other all the time. So it's just like everyone was like half the group last time was like Corbyn's a wanker. This None of this stuff's going to work. And I was in that group. And then um, other side coming back saying you, you lot aren't socialists. You don't you don't care about the struggle, all this sort of thing. Now it's just gone flip so the socialists are like he's not a re- he's not real labor we'll never support him yeah i want and you're like the fucking what hope have we got and that's why i think there's no hope the only hope is the only my hope the hope i have is like a deep personal reconciliation with myself over things in order to sort of be reconciled to other people in order to use that as a as a means of building something like and again it's local yeah. And we might we might we might escalate that because we build a whole lot of local struggles. But the minute they get co-opted by party machinery or some formal political machinery that wants to accumulate power, you can't you're stuffed yeah. in that moment because they're always lobbying for their this faction or that faction. It's just and it's dispiriting. And sometimes that kind of you know the you, the hope is in the hopes in your friendships, isn't it? And yeah. And all, and what can you and then trying to trying to spread from those those friendships and those communities into other people who are vulnerable either in your job or in a kind of a street based community or with Hertha fans or Warsaw fans or whatever it might be. Starting to think about my PhD a lot, thinking of arguing here about in my PhD about using this sort of local activism to trigger some sort of political engagement. Now, I don't really believe in it myself. Any saving graces, I'm not in that age bracket of 18 to 24. So I've kind of become a voter, and now I don't want to be a voter. Well, tell everyone that voting is important. That's still still a politically active position. I do want people to vote, I think. I just, I always want people to vote, but... Do you want them to vote, or do you want them to take action? But I think it's more important to take action. That's that's what this whole thing about working around the government. So I think, I mean, it's interesting then, isn't it? Because like your PhD then, because they're always autobiographical on some, in some way. So my PhD, which is on 18th century Yorkshire County elections, 1708 to 1742, I commend it to you, is actually about community 
activism at the polls that was maintained in between people wouldn't have the the ability to call elections they you know they, they got called when when they kind of got called and and if you couldn't if you couldn't put if you couldn't put up candidates, Whig Party or Tory Party couldn't put candidates up when there were elections. Actually, I think there were every kind of seven years. But when and you might have them in between for by elections. But if if you couldn't put candidates up, and effectively you couldn't put them up because you couldn't afford the cost. And if you couldn't afford the cost, part of that was because you couldn't afford to to attempt to buy votes. And buying votes wouldn't necessarily win you the election anyway. There's like all of this machinery that had to be put into place to try to control an unruly electorate. That would be dragged to York to vote. You've got to pay for them to get to York to vote. You've got to put them up in pubs. You've got to treat them. You've got to do all of that. And then you can't guarantee elections. And there are quite a lot of examples where that didn't happen. The thing for me was this kind of unruly community, but very active. You know, it's very switched on and clued up and all of that. And and this idea that you put this all these mechanics in place, all this infrastructure in place to control, and yet you couldn't control. Or you couldn't guarantee control. Yeah. So there's something deep, and that's kind of come through in, in all my later work. Yeah. It's like there's a definite narratives in in all my later work. So you'll still have it in your PhD, that yeah. autobiographical thing, which is about well, if voting isn't the thing, what is the thing? And the thing is local forms of local activism. So it would be nice for you to write about that, I think. Yeah. Or find a way of writing about that. Yeah. I was thinking about this not like like as framed as this, but. I was thinking about the de Tocqueville stuff in, and his journey across the US, seeing all of these things and saying they were a very democratised society because they were so organised. And all of those all of those infrastructures now are maintained or are stronger, but they've got the most insane president. I don't know if he's the most insane, actually. He's the most insane of our lifetime. Part of it is to challenge those, uh, you know, we have a sense, don't we, that those organisations are, they're going to last forever. They have that sort of sense that legislatures or particular infrastructures or institutions around judicial behaviour or whatever it might be, oh, well, they're normal, they're normal, aren't they? They're going to be there forever. It doesn't matter, climate change, coronavirus, austerity, whatever, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. These institutions, you know, Manchester City, PSG, Bayern Munich, they're going to last forever, right? Because they're going to last forever. And you think, well, are they? So part of it is that in our minds, we can't we can't move beyond these fixed organisations. So we end up trying to tinker with the fixed organisations rather than saying, actually, the system is brutalising. Yeah. And these institutions are part of that. So what do we do about that then? Did Tocqueville's writing what? No, when's he writing about sort of 50, 60 years after the American Revolution? Yeah. He's still young and shiny, isn't it? Ain't had, ain't had quite as much. I mean, it, it, obviously, his power flows throughout it, but the ways in which that's co-opted now and who who can extract rents from that. Inf- that infrastructure is important, right, because it maintains your ability to extract rents, data, information, power, surpluses, whatever it is. So who do those institutions benefit? God, this is a good conversation today, isn't it? It's recording it, shouldn't we? It's being recorded, mate. I'm recording. I should have, yeah, only, only, only since um, you started talking about that uh, Berlin story. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. Not all the other stuff. Not yeah, all the other stuff. Say, stuff about my brother-in-law and his. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not in there. I told you I wasn't recording that. The, yeah. uh, the stuff. I should actually. I, and you haven't said anything. And I'll let you. I'll let you have a. I'll let you have an edited version before we. Uh, before it gets. Before it goes live. No, it did tell that. me at the top actually. Microsoft. Is it Microsoft owned Skype? Uh, I don't know. Anyway, they told me to uh, that I should let you know. But I thought you were waxing lyrical. I thought I'll tell you after, and then I forgot. Yeah, that's all right.
How's your running going? Oh, I ran three miles today. That was good. But I've still got a bit of a sore knee, but it's getting better all the time. You're, um, you're back on it, aren't you? Um, well, I'm just trying to go every other day at the moment and not too far. I really don't want to have to take three weeks off again because it was quite frustrating. Yeah, probably we walk- frustrating if we weren't in a lockdown. But. No, we walk. You were walking as well, yeah. Yeah. Quite enjoying walking a couple of days a week on the bike on the turbo roller, twice a week, and also doing a bit of yoga with Adrian because she's my yogi, and a bit of tai chi. It's quite nice. Nice. It is nice. It is nice. I think it's all we've got and it have you have you driven anywhere have you been anywhere have you followed the cummins lead and driven anywhere <laughs> no no only sarah takes the car out to do shopping now and again is there anywhere you want to go is it like you got have you got like itchy feet i'd like to go and see my friends in berlin that would be nice but unrealistic i want to go to the seaside yeah like my boys really want to go to the seaside i think that's like what they're missing the most i want to go to north norfolk I want to go to North Norfolk and just walk along the shingle at Cly. That's where I want to go. Yeah. Not for, ain't going to happen for a while though, is it? No, I do think there's something very special about being near the sea though. So I do, I would I'd probably prioritise that over anything else, to be honest. Yeah. So some people like Saturday afternoon and they're all banging on about, I'd give anything to be at the Banksy Stadium Walsall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, really? <laughs> it's been held down at half time and rain yeah. watching on your face. That's what that's what we live for. Massive, massive queue at the pie stand. Toilets are overflowing. We were thinking about maybe going for a going for a walk somewhere in the county tomorrow. But I don't know. I don't really know how I feel about it. I feel conflicted about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think if we did, we'd have to park, you know, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, so you weren't in a village or whatever, because you don't want to kind of freak people out. And I've got a couple of friends who live over in Old Dolby. And they and they said it's noticed by a couple of a couple of Land Rovers, Range Rovers, sorry, showed up the other day with some people in, and they were like, ah, oh, who are these people? They're strange. Who are these people? They're, you know, even though they were like being fine and safe and all of that, but there was a sort of sense of in the middle of the of the zombie apocalypse. What are these people bringing? Yeah, I th- my thought the other day because we like to walk around Croft quarry sometimes on average as you pass about four people in a mass expanse of space so assuming that you know by the rule of averages it would be the same today i think it would be all right to do that i didn't float it with sorrow because i thought well it's bank holiday monday and it's gonna be you'll be much bit more busy yeah or the, like you know wrong wrong things to do you know that kind of well, part of the issue for me with like Cummins going up north as well was the uh, was the other people that he was putting at risk if he has if yeah. he has an accident if he breaks down and he knows that his partner is is symptomatic so you're putting other people at risk in that moment and part of me was sort of thinking well if I break down or have a crash or even if we're we're just going like I don't know I'm going to South Croston or I'm going to going to BB I'm going to walk you know I'm going to walk out sort of out there in the middle of nowhere, but now now I've broken down, I've got to phone someone and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Or fill up for petrol or open a a gate. No, absolutely. So all of these things. That said, screw anyone who lives in the countryside, I think we're going to go anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They all vote Tory, don't they? You know what I mean? (laughs) There's there's more space. They've got more space. They have got more space. Buy land, mate. They don't make it anymore. Yeah, I think you should be within the rules. You can go anywhere if you're responsible for your behaviour, aren't you? So. Well, I'm going to ask you one more thing, and I'm going to stop this. 
Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to convince me about David Bowie. Oh, I wasn't. I did think that you might ask something like this, and I think you're beyond you're beyond it. You can't be part of it now. <laughs> <laughs> There's no hope for you. In fact, what I was going to do, I was going, and I might still do it, is to say this is how you ruin every, every Bowie fan's enjoyment of David Bowie. Oh, you yeah. tweet them a photo of Les Dennis and the YouTube clip of Let's Dance, and then you never, and like once you once you've listened to Let's Dance with the words Les Dennis in your head, it's never the same. It just becomes Les Dennis. <laughs> Put on your red shoes and dance the blues. Let's I'm, I'm straight. On, I'm straight on that now. I remember we were away at um, Warsaw. were away at Coventry City. It must have been like the night, or maybe the night after he died. And Cov were the you know it was all that was being played before the game, during the game, after the game. I remember having this conversation with my dad, going, "Oh, for Christ's sake, yeah. <laughs> it's an absolute nightmare." Yeah. <laughs> I think my dislike of Bowie stems from Ashes to Ashes. In when was that? 1980, something like that. 1981. Yeah. Maybe it was it 82? Might have been 82. Yeah, anyway, so. it was a very depressing time for me. That was, and then that was number one, you know. And it just, and I just, I just connect the two together, and I can't move beyond it. And really, the only, the only Bowie tracks I, I like are the ones from the 80s that you're not supposed to like, like Absolute Beginners. Yeah. <laughs> they're the ones. They're the ones that I like. I think his peak was definitely Ziggy and his Berlin trilogy is the real masterwork. Then he's got some good, you know, got the Ziggy stuff. And then there's, yeah, you see, the trouble is, it's like I read a book about Frank Sinatra and for 12 years of Frank Sinatra's career, he was an absolute joke. He couldn't buy a hit. He was having to compete with he'd seen off Elvis he was now competing with the Beatles and rock and roll America nobody really cared about him an entire generation did not buy his records and then he, he also almost came back in as some sort of nostalgia thing music industry doesn't tend to work like that anymore because of the way things are structured now it seems to be that the Who are always on the brink of launching a new album and it's going to be incredibly popular you think in the past you know, you could walk past the retired Jerry of the Pacemakers you know, who hadn't been able to keep up or whatever, and you wouldn't know who they are. You've got this new longevity in rock bands. It's now expected that they'll keep touring, keep putting out albums, whereas in the past it like have one good hit, and that, that might be the end of it. One good hit, one good album, and then they're gone into the sands of pop history time. But now it's, oh, they've got to maintain this. I know it's these people's income, man. Appreciate it, but like you know, it seems to, it always seems to be with these bands that, that their albums could become increasingly desperate. Well, there are some bands who who I would argue get better, better. But even like my my favourite band, Depeche Mode, you have to say probably like on every new album, there's three outstanding tracks, and the rest of it is filler, filler, all filler, limited killer. Yeah, yeah. Right, I'll press stop there. I think that's enough to be going on with, isn't it? I might even record, I might even edit this, this afternoon. Nothing else to do, it's just too hot, isn't it, to do anything else? <laughs> <laughs>